You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 341, brought to you by the Seagate GoFlex satellite and by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash iFanboy for your free audiobook download and by iFanboy listeners like you. Podcast. It's episode 341. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Ron Richards. Hello there. And Josh Flanagan. Whatever. Super hot Josh Flanagan. Oh, it's... Yeah. It's the summertime. It's summertime. Here it comes. Yesterday it was 65. Today it's 95. This doesn't make sense. <laughs> At iFanboy.com, we like comics. We read comics and we can read a bunch of comics. One of us picks the best one. We write about it on the website, talk about it in the podcast, which, along with other books of the week, topics of interest, emails and voicemails, your thoughts... And all kinds of fun things. I will not read that line that was meant to trip me up in the script, jerk. Before we get to the show, quick reminder, warning, this is a review show. We'll be talking about things that happened in this week's books. So if you're worried about spoilers, please be careful, pause, and come back. It'll be good for everyone. And nice work, Josh, from trip me up in the script. I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> now it's even funnier. I really wanted that Ron Burgundy moment. It's fine. <laughs> this Got week, Reddit. Josh, the dick, has the pick. <laughs> First time someone's trying to, uh, try to actively sabotage us while we're doing a read. Good I don't think that's ever happened. I don't, I don't think it's ever happened. reached a whole new level. Now it's going to start. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, scalp number 59. It's big. It's orange. It's the penultimate issue. Uh, I liked it a lot. Okay, let's move on. No, um, uh, anybody who's been listening to this for a long time knows that Scalp is, uh, is my favorite ongoing comic book series, or released in monthly format uh, currently. And um, you know what I think we should remind everyone that you dropped Scalp at one point. Just, I, just so everyone has all the facts. I, never <laughs> I tried the first one and I didn't like it. And, and you then, dropped but, it. Well, I, I don't. I wouldn't say I'd subscribed. Either way, I made that abundantly clear the first time that I, the first time I wrote a pick of the week for Scalped, uh, it was after I had gone back. I read the first trade again, and uh, uh, I, the first couple of paragraphs are basically a long form apology to Jason Aaron. I just feel like all the people who are new should, should know should the full facts of the case. Uh, you're turning this into a thing that isn't a thing. Uh, <laughs> I'm just it, saying. it sounds like a thing. <laughs> For six months, you didn't read Scalped. Go ahead. Continue. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, we change. I was maybe, you know what? I was maybe in a crappy mood that, that week. Who knows? Don't, bl- don't, don't blame the comic book for your, for your unhappiness. Listen. It's got to be something. <laughs> it can't Some, be me. It's somebody's fault, and I'm, I'm not. I, you don't see me taking responsibility for it. Anyway, uh, but for the last 50-whatever issues, I've been, uh, I've been on the bus. And the thing about this is, uh, you know, because there's one more left, they pretty much have to take care of everything in this one so that they can sort of wrap up all the loose ends in the next one. So this is the big firestorm conflagration <laughs> issue. And if you look... Right up. Firestorms in this? I did not. Where, yeah. where, where did that happen? Double sales immediately. Okay. <laughs> I, just, I just hear Earth crisis. So. The saddest <laughs> thing on Earth. Reservation <laughs> crisis. Uh, <laughs> but really what this is is uh, 
it's everything coming together all at once. And in the in this tradition of this book and the spirit of this book, that means there's going to be a lot of violence and and uh, fire and fighting and and blood and all sorts of uh, really grim stuff. Uh, big old gun battle. Yeah, big and that's basically what battle. it is. It's a big old shootout and sort of the empty husk of the casino, which is the center of the whole issue with the with the reservation and all of the main players are are drawn to this one place where they're going to battle it out basically and um this was uh this was RM Gera unleashed you know he was just yeah. choreographing this big fight there wasn't a ton of talking in the issue it was really just you know uh, the younger hoods that had come up under Red Crow or have just decided to come and take over and and Red Crow uh you know is is fighting him off and then Catcher with with uh Bad Horse is his his hostage he shows up cuz he's going to kill uh he's going to kill Red Crow himself and then you know Bad Horse gets loose and everybody's fighting and there's a pack of wild dogs oh yeah and a, a pack of wild dogs just just for fun really um and you know, like if you looked at look at the work that that Garrett did, it was like you know it's people creeping around corners, and the whole place is dark because it, it's nighttime and there's no lights on, and it's there's just ink everywhere. And he drew in every sound effect of of bullets and and gunfire and hits and and all that stuff. And it was it was just a really like raw sort of energetic uh, culmination of this whole story. And 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 this is totally the way that it had to be. And it's that really great catharsis of of you know it's it's done now and and it ends with a big mexican standoff everybody's pointing their guns at one another and then the last page is you know the guns are fired and then we'll find out where the bodies drop in the in the next issue um so it sort of hit on everything that is exciting about it, you know using that monthly comic book form too so we're you know we're left with a cliffhanger we don't know what happens next um it's kind of everything i wanted it to be um and uh you know like i was you get worried with a lot of issues that they're you know at this point that they're going to disappoint you because you you know it's such a build-up and you've been so looking forward to them but i was i didn't really expect it was going to disappoint me like like jason aaron is not a ball dropper right. <laughs> as far as we can tell so uh you know it just it gave me everything i wanted and, and i was i was really happy with it um connor you have a fun time i like i liked that there was a call back to the way beginning of the yes. series where Bad Crow, uh, Bad Crow, <laughs> he could be Bad Crow after this is yeah. over. Bad Horse runs into the guy he beat up with the nunchucks in the very beginning of, this, of the series. Um, I like the fact that Red Crow fought not only with guns, but with traditional Indian weapons. He throws a spear through one guy's throat. He's got a tomahawk. He uses a cutoff catcher's hand. He, he's got a knife in his, in his teeth. I mean, it's, it's a brutal final issue. We knew that this is where it was going to go. I mean, this is a brutal series. There's no way this was not going to end with a, with a lot of blood, which is where we got here. Um, I actually was, found myself thinking that I really like the fact that the paper is rough yeah. for this book. Yeah, it's, I actually, it's very tactile in that sense, and it's a very rough book. It just feels appropriate. I don't know if this this feels appropriate on a glossy page. Yeah, no, it sort of goes back to a slightly older kind of comic with with a you know that news more newsstandy kind of uh, newsprint kind of paper. And yeah, it just, it just when you when you turn it, you feel it on your in your fingers. It feels you know it doesn't feel good. Which is what what you know was appropriate for this book. In that sense, it's it's completely coincidental because it's cheap, I guess, which is why most of the vertical books are printed on it. But uh, it works in this sense, and it's just and it's not a lot to talk about because, as Josh said, there wasn't a lot of story or dialogue. It was just a lot of shooting in a casino. But it was it was what was happening, who was shooting at each other, and why, and, and the casino being lit on fire with a Molotov cocktail full of hundred dollar bills and a lot of symbolism and just just a lot of great culmination here. It's exactly what it should have and you wanted it to be. Is basically, yep. you know, and everybody doing this, everybody working on the book at this point is, you know, they're going on, they're going on drive and passion. I mean, it's not like this is a huge seller. It's not like, you know, they're just doing it because they 
did this thing and they want to finish it. And, you know, it's not so much different than what the characters are going through. And, you know, from the from the cover on the front, that's sort of beautiful, but amazingly eye catching cover. I don't there's not going to be there's not going to be a cover on the stands this week, you know, that's going to draw your eye more than that one. And it may not look like anything at first. But it's gorgeous. It's it's one of my favorites from the series. Um, just representing that fire and that that sort of anger and, and passion and everything that's going on in there. Um, yeah, nothing 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 beat that for me this week. It was just uh, real well done and 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 I don't want to say fun. Fun's not the right word, but it's fun in the way that this book is fun. Well, it's fun in the sense it was a, it was a big shootout, and that's exciting. But I mean, it's not happy. I guess is a better way to describe it. Um, I, re- I and I I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, love that. I love that. A lot of times, you know, it, you can you can expect, well, in the next of this guy's going to be dead and this one's alive. I don't I don't know who's going to live. I don't know who the bad guy is. I don't know who the good guy is. I don't know what Agent Nitz is going to do when he shows up cuz he's on the way there too. He's the other big player. Um and and if they've got just enough time to sort of button everything up. Yeah. No, I'm I'm really look, looking forward to the final issue and also not looking forward to the final issue. Yeah, I'm cool though. I'm I'm cool with it ending. I think that sure. I just it's sad. It's it's one of those books that's been around for most of the length of this show. Yeah, it's true. You know, it's one of those type it's a, books. It's, like a, the, it's gonna be a milestone when it ends. It's kind of like a end yeah. of an era almost. Yeah, and then the dark side will have fully consumed Jason Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> but um, his beard go three sizes that day. <laughs> I will I will admit it was a striking cover on the racks to walk by in the, in the store it's, on Wednesday. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's the flames coming off the top of the casino, but it really is impressionist in a way that you don't really see it until you really get close. One night, Jock was not nominated for an Eisner this year or last for best covers. Yeah, and that's stupid. Yeah, way yeah. stupid. But um, but yeah, no, it's it's a it's a ver- another Vertigo book wrapping up. I mean, this Sweet Tooth, um, you know, Vertigo Vertigo is not not what it I once think- was. I think unwritten is is either it's done a, or halfway done. I think or yeah, almost done. That's another a bunch of them are like that. Yeah, yeah. except fables, man. Willingham just won't quit. No nope. money train. That money train will not stop. Here's another series. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> another series. Bam! I got spinoffs, bitch. Well, uh, I was glad to see that the, that this issue scout came out on a week that I didn't have it have the pick, so <laughs> you can celebrate it. <laughs> I don't. I won't even be timed. I might not be able to do the next one. I know. Yeah. Oh, it's good on its own merit, obviously. Right. Of course. Yes. No. Definitely. Jason Aaron, also a writer of the next book, I guess. Yeah. So, um, so uh, uh, your little AVX update this week. Um, really, the only notable book was Wolverine versus uh, Wolverine and the X Men, um, which is, is uh, the, this week's books, including the, I think X Men Legacy was another AVX tie-in. Um, are all picking up on uh, after the events of AVX number six, where now the the Phoenix Five and the rest of the X Men have declared war on the Avengers, and I, they they didn't really go into it in AVX number six as to what no more Avengers means or whatever it is, right. but apparently that means they're capturing them and holding them prisoner. <laughs> to me, the biggest thing was the fact that somehow between the last this issue and the last uh, AVX issue is that the Beast changed his mind. Again, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because now he's back on board. Well, he's I think I, th- I think that's a case. I think that's a case of too many cooks in the kitchen and 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 not being yeah. able to keep things straight. And and you know, Beast's big yep. walking out on AVX six. I guess this was you know who I don't know. I'm can only speculate, but I guess um, Aaron had written this issue before that issue was done, or what? You know, like I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it's, this is an editorial continuity gaffe. You know. Yeah. Um, and it and it and it makes this the the whole greater story suffer because it's like well wait a minute that that doesn't make sense you know 
Um, the other, the other um, interesting thing on this, at least this side, this this issue mainly focused from the. Um, it was. It's notable to say it's the first Wolverine the X Men AVX crossover that I didn't delight and be amused by. I was like, uh, it felt as heavy as the rest of AVX has been. Not to say it was bad, but there, every issue of Wolverine the X Men still had a little bit of that Wolverine the X Men charm. And really, the only one this had was with um, Kid Gladiator, and that was like in glimpses and like you know yeah. moments. Well, this is also the first time that it's been completely the AVX story. Yeah. Usually, usually we had at least a B plot in the school. Yeah. And, uh, where this is completely just Avengers vs X Men. Kid, yeah. Kid Gladiator was funny, especially the last page when his dad shows up. Yeah. But um, um, but uh, but this is all mainly done from the the point of view of Rachel Summers, uh, Phoenix Marvel Girl, whatever you want to call her. Um, and uh, because she, basically the Phoenix Five and the X Men are using her um, as her her hound capabilities from back when she was in the in the future when she was a hound um, hunting down mutants using those skills so that she can hunt down the Avengers. And I thought that was a really interesting angle. That was a good way to tie it back to the history of the character as well as give it relevance in the story. Um, and Connor, you don't read X Men Legacy, right? No, I don't. Well, that that was the issue where where um, Rogue fought Ms. Marvel and they argued and the classic Rogue Ms. Marvel kind of face off and then Rogue ended up winning and Magic came and teleported in and took Ms. Marvel to a volcano where she's opened up a portal to Limbo where they're keeping the Avengers c- captive. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I don't understand. I don't understand how that's the solution. We'll just we'll keep them captured because <laughs> it's civil war again. They yeah, I know. Civil war. They opened up a new dimension and put the, Listen, the bag. This time, everything really is going to change. <laughs> this time, um, Ron. My question to you in in the first X Men ad in this book, which one? Uh, the the Neil Adams uh, Christos Gage story. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. The first. All oh, right. The first. Yeah, the first X Men book. <laughs> what? What? What is going on with Magneto's hair? <laughs> hey man, hey man! It was the early '60s. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Neil Adams cannot be contained. <laughs> that looks what... like they. It looks like he drew him regular. Then at the end, they decided to add a little bit at the end to make it look long. Yep. Yeah. God, that's crazy. I, 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 the, the, all I gotta tell you, come this August, there's one book I'm reading, and it is the first X Men. <laughs> I look forward to the update in the show. Yeah, it should be good. Um, now, Josh tweeted out uh, something to the effect that the best Andy Kubert art is when Joe Kubert inks him. And that is absolutely true. And before Watchmen, Night Owl number one, uh, we have Joe inking his son, Andy. And he's, he did that, he's done that before a bunch of times, notably in the DC Legacies issue they drew together, yep. Yep. Uh, which was gorgeous. And again, this just, just, just continues to show that the two of them together is, is a sight to behold. It it doesn't look like Andy Kubert's standard art. It doesn't look like Joe's standard art. Although it ends up looking more like Joe than Andy. Yeah, it does. Well, well yeah. Well, uh, who said it? on Josh's uh, talks blowed with Gabe Hardman and Jeff Parker? I think who was it? Parker who said that that the uh, the last person to touch the page is whose art it looks like, and so it looks like uh, Joe Kubert's because he inked it over Andy's pencils. So yeah, but just just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It really, you know, really. Uh, the first thing I noticed when I looked at this is like this is a. This is a very good-looking book in a way that's completely different from how, like, Amanda Connor's book was good-looking. Yep. Um, it actually felt more like Watchmen, I guess, sort of visually than the other stuff um, for, for whatever well, reason. They're doing a really good job, if anything at all, with this series is with the art. Yes. Uh, yeah. Across the board so far, the art has just been wonderful. I mean, that's why we're not, we're not talking about the story standpoint and, and that this is the first book that really folds into the original Watchmen story. And it was a place that actually very much did beg for an explanation 
or not an explanation, but like it was one of the places where they talked about it a lot, but we didn't really know very much about it. Well, you see, that, um, and, that, and that's and that's the yeah. I mean, to that point, I don't know whether it begged an explanation. As as the book, I, yeah. as the book got to the end, and basically the key the key uh, moment is the meeting of all the heroes when and Night Owl and Rorschach and Doctor Manhattan and Osmandius and the comedian um, when they meet up and talk about te- you know teaming up and that sort of thing. This this added more to that scene that I didn't want. No, I agree with that part. Yeah. Uh, when I when I say that, the part that was really interesting to me was young, uh, young Dan. I forget his last name. Driver, driver, driver. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I really enjoyed that and the sort of way that I, I was I was I was very surprised by this book. Uh, longtime yeah. listeners may know I am not the biggest Straczynski fan. Guy's got skills. This, that's undeniable. But uh, there's something about stuff I I usually tend to not like. But uh, I, I really enjoyed the setup uh, of, of Dan's sort of life. I really liked the interplay with him and Hollis Mason. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing was, as you got to the end, like that part was kind of over. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I th- that could have been the whole series. Yes, and that yeah. I would have been really happy with. Yep. I think this that. series is more successful. I, mean, I think this whole project before Watchmen is more successful the less it's connected to the story. The I agree. Story. Totally agreed. But if it, it stays in the past, it can be in the past, live in the past, and not affect the – and I don't say affect is the wrong word, but not interact with the main story. Yeah. I mean if, if, this, way to go. if this was how Dan Dreiberg became, you know, became Night Owl and all, like, I'm there, I'll read it. But yeah. it feel, this feels like he was just on fast forward to get to the team up with Rorschach. And yeah. and now with the Rorschach series coming, like okay, what? But I, you know, like is that going to go there as well? Like, yeah. So it's... further, I, you know, the, if there was any weakness to this that I would give is that I, for whatever reason, Rorschach didn't seem quite right to me. Well, I, I thought that too, but then I remember, you know, in the series, he changed. Yes, he he's he's a different person before the whole incident with the kid and the dogs. Absolutely. So uh, he he becomes a different. He, he talks differently after that. They, I know, they mentioned that in the story. In that broken way. I just feel uh, maybe, uh, and I don't remember. Uh, did the did the? Oh, I I know what I, I know what I want to say. During the original Watchmen of Rorschach during this era, there was very little. Yeah. So I don't know. I, maybe it's like not the voice I would have chosen, or he was still very odd, but not odd in the same way. So I think it would be to make him less odd. Too many herms. I, I, that's exactly the point. I've been waiting to say that. In the span of two pages, there are five herms. You overdid it. Especially oh, totally overdid it. Totally. Last, the last three panels, or yep. the, like the last page. Yep. Uh, well, not even page. even in the page before that, when he the, the 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 oh wait, I missed one. Six herms. After the second herm, where he goes herm, and he's and Dan, and Night also stop that. Like don't. Uh, it, it's not a uh, herm. That was very. Urgh. Subtle in a way that it, it, I really wish it wasn't. Yep. Um, it's going to be tough because I, I really enjoy the art in these books. Yeah. Um, I wish. <laughs> oh, we, I no, wish we the been, stories weren't so strange. No, we should have been doing with you because you, you committed to reading the first issues and, and then choosing. So we, what we haven't asked is whether you're going to stick with them or not. I don't know. That's you the still tough don't thing. know? I don't, wow. Hmm. No, because I love the art. I want more of this art, but I don't it's know art. if I want more of the story. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Even the coloring. Uh, I might not. You know, I might only stick with so far just the first two, the Amanda Connor and Darwin Cook book and then the Darwin Cook book. I'm not, sh- I'm not even sure about that. I Man, I, I made a casserole from the Darwin Cook book the other night, and it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> the Darwin Cook book. It's Dar- just really manly stuff. There's a lot of whiskey and everything. Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean, it was like a beer. It was a beer braised pork kind of casserole. Right, sure. Yeah, it was, it was, everything is based basically on ground beef. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> beef and salt. That's 
The Darwin cookbook's much like the Ron Swanson cookbook. It's uh, just, little, just, bread. just steak and, <laughs> and whiskey. No, Canadian there's, whiskey. There's, some, there's some asparagus in there. Come on, he knows. Sure. He, you know, <laughs> I feel like Brussels sprouts is in the Darwin cookbook, you know? But then afterwards it says you have to go outside and chop down a tree. Sure, which... yeah. <laughs> I did get a ticket for it because let's be honest, you just can't go chopping down trees in, in right. the city. But... Right, well, I mean, you could, you could just get into a bar fight. I mean, that works. That's true, or that as well. Yeah. <laughs> You steal a car. (laughs) (laughs) So, or make someone drink a shot at 9 a.m. So, um, uh, yeah, it's weird. It's the same thing I had a problem with the last book is I don't know what to do. Very conflicted. Yeah. Very conflicted. I I mean, again, it's not bad, but it doesn't feel right. And the same problem is next week with with Jay Lee. We got an early look at that book, and let's look. uh, Oh, God. I don't know what to do. (laughs) Adam Hughes. When's the last time Adam Hughes did any interior oh, work? That's, yeah. that's the big thing, but I, I, I don't know. Hmm. I love Adam Hughes. And the thing is, well, I don't think what anyone realizes is these books aren't done. <laughs> that's what we said. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't, they didn't wait to solicit these until they were done. These are not done. These are not done. <laughs> no. I'll tell you uh, something. Uh, a little. little uh, I can't talk about it yet, I don't think. Uh, hmm. But. Uh, I don't know. I think the one I'm definitely not continuing on is last week's the uh, the comedian one. That's, yeah, that's uh, definitely one. Of them. Oh no, no, I don't blame yeah. you there. I'd forgotten about that already. Yeah, exactly. That's like, the whole time I've been talking about the other books and forgot about that one. Um, Superman Family Adventures number two is notable for a couple of th- reasons. One, uh, it features a cameo by the Tiny Titans, who Man, that, hang they, out they for could, a page. They and, wait that one issue took them. Yeah, that's all. It took. Well, <laughs> and they and they get to say their little signature catchphrase. Two, Chloe Sullivan's in it. Really? Uh, th- three, there's a great joke that I highlighted in the best panels in which Bizarro shows up and is complimenting jor costume and says it's a bad outfit because he speaks backwards. But it's a, <laughs> it's a bad outfit. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a bad outfit. It's a very clever way to put that joke in there. Um, and four, this is just so much fun. God, this is fun. I mean, this is, this is great. I, I mean, I continually marvel over how talented these guys are there it's a clever book it's it, the the cartooning is wonderful um there's a lot of there's a lot of jokes that last throughout the, the book but they're very subtle um just just great stuff Superman family adventures works for everyone it's a true all ages book cool so uh, uh, Bat- batman incorporated number two is not an all ages book no 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 no, no. Uh, i i dug this i gotta yeah. say i didn't think i'd be missing this as much i was I was fading out at the end of the last version of, of Batman Incorporated, and I, and I read the first one on a whim, and I, and I picked this one up, this sort of history of Talia and Ra's al Ghul, and it was, it was really interesting. This feels more like the older Grant Morrison stuff, of, you know, in the, in the beginning when it was really solid. Yeah, yeah. Um, for, uh, Chris Burnham is really coming along. I, I was, I was going to say, I mean, sort of, I don't want to say from out of nowhere because we've known about him for a while, but you know he worked on smaller books and and you know didn't get his foot in the door, and all of a sudden like he is hooked up on this well, book. You know what I think it is? I think it's I think it's um, once an, a young artist gets the opportunity to uh, focus on one title mm-hmm. and kind of minimize the distractions and just you know like all he's been about is Batman Incorporated since since you know you know so he's been able to hone and who knows what the working you know experience between him and Grant is or him and Mike Martz the editor or whomever but he's just every every issue you see you've seen an improvement to the point where it's it's like he's solid 
Yeah, uh, and more solid. Yeah, I, the layouts in this are wonderful. And you know, the first time I ever saw Burnham's art was on um, uh, what was the book? The Joe Casey Officer Down. Officer, Officer Down. Down, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and even back then, it was like wow. You know, right. and this is this is actually pulled back from that a little in terms of sort of putting everything on the page, and it's strong. You know, it's it's not necessarily as visually stunning, but it's sort of stronger comic booking because of it. Great layouts through this whole thing. Great storytelling. Um, yeah. Good acting. The, I love Ra's al Ghul and Talia. I think yeah. they. When I was a kid reading uh, comics in the eighties, Ra's al Ghul was the main villain in the seventies and eighties in Batman comics. He was. Yeah. They introduced him. He was. He was kind of that era's main guy. And I feel like every book I bought, either he or Talia were in it somehow. And so for me, they're they're my favorites. And well, th- there hasn't and, been enough uh, shirts off sword fighting in comics. No. Yeah. Hairy chested shirts off sword fighting. And yeah. and 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 you know credit to Burnham. He did Batman it. Harry Chest in this. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, that's the way it should have been. Um, I, I, I lo- love that uh, Al Ghul is such a different villain than all the all the the Gotham villains. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's a completely different set of circumstances than with the Joker. You know, and they they bring out different sides of of the sort of Batman character, which uh, you know I we haven't seen Al Ghul all that much. Like he pops in now and again, but in this he's been in and he's been he's been regular since because he's been eating his fiber. Uh, he's been regularly in the in the books since Batman Begins, and but mostly in the side books. He was yeah. in a lot of the Robin Red Robin books and stuff like that. He was one of the main villains in the Red Robin book, but um, but not not really facing off against Batman himself. Uh, he's great because you're right. It's a different kind of Batman villain. It's a different kind of experience. It's not. It's a bit more complicated. It's not so black and white. And he sort of, yeah, exactly. And, and he sort of plays off the sort of billionaire playboy aspect of it, rather than the dark vengeance of the night aspect of it. I guess he has which to- is what which is what Grant Morrison said he wanted to do way back when he started on Batman. Was he wanted to bring back that sexy that sexy seventies era Batman? And it's 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 more Bruce Wayne than it is Batman. Yeah. When you're going against Al Ghul, I think. Right. Maybe that's it. I, I like that that Ra's al Ghul will show up to a live aid live aid concert and hit, pick up a chick. That's that's hey, badass, man. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> that that was the best. Just that first page, I was like, "Is this happening? Is this what I? <laughs> it is." And he's got his cape on too, which didn't. <laughs> I, I, I went back too. I was like, "Wait a minute, is he wearing his cape in this?" Scene? <laughs> <laughs> and I like that. Like, if you do the math, of course that would be in the mid eighties. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and then that he gets his daughter for her 16th birthday, a lair. Yeah. A lair in London, under the, under the underground, yeah. which is nice. I love this book. Everybody has ponies. <laughs> um, American Vampire 26 was notable because I think when Raphael Albuquerque is not drawing the book, it's not as good. I think, and it's, it's still good, but it's not as good. I think when he is drawing the book, it's. it's with the exceptions really of the miniseries, I agree with you. Yeah, I'm just talking about the regular series itself. Um, it's, it's something special about it when he draws it. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, Basically, another chapter we get to go back and and see what's happening um, with the, with the people that we'd left behind because we took we took quite a few detours, um, but but a bunch has happened and and now we're sort of going back and of course the big reveal here is uh, it's on the cover is Skinner shows up and he's the man now. Yeah, he's been he's been co opted, and they're back in Hollywood, which I think is is a nice sort of circle back to the to the beginning. Um, from the, you know, that first story, the first arc it was was the was the girl in, in Hollywood. But uh, I think it's fun. I think this book is. I like I like I like it when it's in Hollywood for some reason. I like the fact that it's all sort of tied into the, this weird Hollywood underground where the uh, there's a vampire vampires run Hollywood. 
and uh, I, like, I like that bit of it. I like the I like the big open timeline thing that we get to jump around a lot in the span of a, a long time. I really enjoy that about this book. It was actually something that I'm going to compare it to Strangers in Paradise. Like it was a thing about that book I really liked is that there was a timeline that just existed and you got to watch different parts of it at different times. This is a, a bigger in scope, I guess, but it, it's something I really enjoy about it. Mm. Cool. Such a neat haircut that they give Skinner. Just really saying that, no, no, I'm part of the, I'm part of the company now. They have health insurance. <laughs> Hard being freelance. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we want to give a thanks and a shout out to Seagate for sponsoring this episode and tell you all about the Seagate GoFlex satellite. Uh, it's the only wireless portable hard drive that streams content to your iPad and up to eight other devices. Uh, it's uh, This is a really cool device. I've got one. I played with it. It's super cool. It's got a 500 gigabyte hard drive in it, Wi-Fi access, and a rechargeable battery. Satellite can carry your entire library of video, music, pictures, documents, whatever you want, shared on your iPad or any other tablet device that you might have via the, Go, the free GoFlex media app or the web browser. Um, so you can check it out. Head over to this URL. Um, I'm going to spell it out, but we'll also have a link on the show notes on ifanboy.com on the, on the post for this episode. You can head to uh, http colon slash slash ifn.by slash seagate goflex. That's ifn.by slash seagate goflex, all one word. And uh, if you've got kids, if you've got um, uh, if you travel a lot and you want to bring a lot of movies or TV shows on the go with you, this is a great way you can store all the media on this hard drive, stream it all to your tablet, and watch it whenever you want. Uh, the Seagate GoFlex is really cool, and we want to thank Seagate for coming on board and sponsoring this episode and a lot of what we're doing uh, over the next couple of months. So a uh, big thanks to Seagate. Yes, and uh, Batman: The Dark Knight number ten is notable because uh, uh, David Finch used to be the writer artist in this book, and now he's just the artist. Greg Hurwitz is the new writer, and he wrote the Penguin miniseries that was out uh, a little while ago. Oh, right, yeah, that was really enjoyable. This is uh, a more horror-tinged Batman book. This is what they always they always said it was going to be. And I read one issue, didn't like the Dark Knight under Finch, but. I lo- enjoyed the Penguin series. I picked this up and I really enjoyed it. It was it was good. Um, it, is, it is more horror tinge. It's a really 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 creepy scarecrow who sews his mouth shut in the opening page uh, and then creepy. proceeds pre- proceeds to wreak havoc through Gotham. Is there um, is there any rebar in it? <laughs> oh, dude! I saw a guy walking down the street with like three things of rebar, and I had to cross the street. <laughs> They're like bouncing on his shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Oh, 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 it was awful. I like that we have a collective, a natural fear of rebar. Oh man. Anyway, so, um, and no, no rebar, but still scary. And I'm not saying rebar won't show up later. Can't be that scary. Ugh. <laughs> Just you know, awful. Well, he, I didn't see his other hand while he was sewing. He could have been holding a piece of rebar. Yeah. But uh, if you if you want a more horror, scary tinged Batman, and I think the great thing about these Batman books is they're all they're all different tones. So if you want that kind of Batman story, that's in Dark Knight now with Greg Hurwitz. Cool. Um, Prophet number twenty six uh, featured. This one was all it was a total Brandon Graham joint. Uh, Brandon, Gra- <laughs> Brand- Brandon Graham showing off his uh, artistic skills. If you read uh, King City, you know how good of an artist or what ki- type of style Brandon Graham has. And uh, this was very much uh, in his uh, in his natural style. And it was uh, another fun story. I have no idea what the fuck is going on in this book, and I couldn't care less. Um, it just it's so much fun to read and so much fun to experience. And out there, science fiction ideas that are just that are not not so much crazy, but just kind of mind blowingy. Um, and I really like the last page where there, there was a little mini, sh- you know, Mobius strip comic uh, in, in its own kind of thing um, at the bottom, which is pretty cool. Um, Sim- similarly, the Manhattan Projects number four, yeah. also from, from, from also from Image. I have two points. One, 
I think this might have been my favorite issue of the series. It, every issue is my favorite and, issue. And yeah. two, can you or someone explain to me? Uh, did all right. So so Einstein opens up a portal to another to another dimension, and yeah. another Einstein comes out. No, no, another <laughs> Einstein is there waiting for him. <laughs> right, waiting for him. Knocks him out with a with a, a cr- the thing, a, a crab, and then uh, <laughs> and then does he switch places with him? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Which, which Einstein are we? We've been following we, we've been evil see, we've been seeing evil Einstein from the alternate dimension who can't figure out how to open the door. Okay. So what All happened? Right. So what happened was I that, thought that's what happened, but I just wanted to make sure. So our Einstein, blue Einstein, built the door, figured out how to open it. When he opened it, there was evil red Einstein on the other side who built the door but couldn't figure out how to open it. He knocks him out, swaps places with him, and then the door shuts. And that's why when the series opened, he was just staring at the door because he couldn't figure out how to open it. And now in the right. present, he brought in Richard Feynman and used him to help him open the door. That's now, the, 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 the Einstein that we've been seeing all of this time yep. is the evil Einstein, yes. except for this flashback scene. Right. right. Denoted helpfully by blue and red. Yep. Right. Yeah, it was fantastic. This was fucking awesome. And it was super fantastic. The opening scene with the aliens. Yes. Yeah. That was great when they, when they go when they, when they can't translate that they annihilated and killed the planet and children and everybody. It's like I didn't catch that. Oh sorry, it's not translatable. It's, <laughs> um but I loved I I love that I love that not only is Hickman seeding little mysteries in it, but he's very quickly addressing them. You know, it's like, okay, there's Einstein in that door in the first issue. What is that? Here, issue four, we're finding out. Not only that, we just, like, you know, we've been looking at, at Einstein the whole time. And we all know about him in real life, and he's the one that they're teasing us with, and now they, they're, they've given us something. Yeah. I could almost wait a little longer. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. In the same way that Scalp has this energy to it that doesn't exist in Jason Aaron's other writings, which are very good, uh, Manhattan Projects has that energy to it that his other that Hickman's Marvel stuff doesn't have, it's which like is a, also a, a very good. A sense of fun. I don't know. Like it's it's yeah. I don't know if fun is the right word, but just like well, I think it's part of that whole new creator revolution we're having right now. Is yeah. I think this. I think these guys' hearts are really in these other books. They'll never say it publicly. They can't, and that's that's not to say that they don't enjoy writing X Men and Fantastic Four. Well, they yeah. clearly they do. And also, I think that you can see the benefit that doing all of that has had on his writing. Sure, yeah. I think they've got they're, compare, much, they're both much better than they were when they started. If you compare the creator owned projects before Fantastic Four and and other stuff compared to this, yes. I think you can you're seeing a much stronger serialized long form storyteller. Yes, um, which I, is absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Plus, his character work is much better now than it was when he started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, all right, cool. So, uh, Flash number ten and Justice League number ten are um, uh, more of a curious kind of art kind of standpoint. Uh, Flash number ten shows that while I've been enjoying Francis Manipal's art and have been okay with his story with Brian, him and Brian Bucoletto writing it, when he's not drawing it, it goes down a whole bunch of notches. And then, fur- furthermore, wait, one more thing. Furthermore, um, I've never seen Marcos Toe's art before, but mm-hmm. uh, somebody better call Mark Bagley because somebody's ripping off a style. <laughs> like I open it up, I'm like, "Is this Bagley?" And then I realize his toe is uh, it's similar. It's he very similar. Aspen. He's an Aspen guy. It's very similar. Toe, toe's better, I think. Um, oh, really? wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's the current artist in Batwing. He used to draw Red Robin. I think he's, he's he was an inker for a long time, and now he's a yeah. Pencil. Uh, I think this issue really showed how overwritten. Yep, exactly. The, uh, the story is, and I think it's these guys are new writers, and that's something that new writers tend to go through. But 
I mean, I think the editor- editors need to get a handle on this quick because this issue particularly was really overwritten. That, pa- that page where Patty and the dude are, are uh, trapped in the basement. It's just like, I was like, yeah. oh, so was, many like words. Turf. That was like turf. It yeah. was just word balloons stacked in word balloons. And it's just, there's a lot of things that can be cut here. Yeah. You know, cut the fat. Um, you know, less is more. So More more cliches about writing. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Justice League number 10, uh, I'm um, less focused on the story because I know, Connor, you were starting to really like it. I want to see if that continued. But as I read this, I just couldn't believe – like the multiple inkers on Jim Lee I yeah. think are really yeah. hurting it. It's re- It doesn't look like Jim – it doesn't look – it doesn't have that same, same excitement. Only, only when Scott Williams inks him is when yeah. it looks really um, – the rest doesn't. But the reason I wanted to talk about this is because we got Takitani in the backup. We did. It was basically a you know a big old tiger. I, the Gary Frank. Do you have, do you have a jetpack? No. no, he's a tiger in the in the zoo. Oh. But 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 uh, Billy talks to him, calls him calls him uh, Tawny. Ta- ta- Just call calls him Tawny. Never said Taki. Yeah. Uh. Um, and then the, the Black Adam shows up at the end. But I just this the backup is wonderful. Yeah, the backup is great. It, it, it would never sell its own book, and I don't think Gary Frank could do it monthly. But yeah. uh, as a backup, it's 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 fantastic. The yeah. Justly story is fine. It's just uh, you're right. I did I did really notice. This time in particular, that the the anchor situation really does affect. And I, I just can't get excited story. about it. I can't get excited the same yeah. way. I mean, even like thinking back to Wildcats or Divine Right or all the uh, the other Batman stories or anything like that. It just this feels like less than Jim Lee. I think if the rumors are true that the, he's wrapping up this storyline and the new artist comes on, I think that will be a, a benefit to the book. Yeah. Unfortunately, Agreed. just because the look is too inconsistent. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that's it. So those are the books that came out this week that we enjoyed. Go to ifanboy.com slash comics. You can see them all. Do your pull list. <laughs> let's do the top the user let's, yeah. let's before, or yeah, before we get to the user reviews, let's let's list off the top five picks of the week as picked by the community. Um, you can go to ifanboy.com slash comics. You can make your pull list and you can also rate and review your books and you can choose your own pick of the week and get it on this list. Get it up, get, get it to the top, push it to the top. The top five picks of the week per the audience at the time of recording, which is important to note because somebody got annoyed last I, this week. This is gonna be comments. some shocking. Yeah. Uh, number five, I Vampire, number 10 with 3.8%. Number four, shocking entry into the top five is Voltron, number six with 6.2%. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> number no. three, I stopped reading that. I right. dropped it too, but I did walk by it at the store, and the cover was the, the Voltron robot's head, and I was like, oh, did they finally get the fucking lions in the book? <laughs> Maybe that's why I did so well. Number three was the I Can't Wait Pick of the Week, Scalped 59 with 14.9%. Number two was Batman Incorporated, number two with 22.8%. And number one with a bullet was the Manhattan Project's number four with 30.5%. Not an overwhelming victory, but a nice solid victory. Nice. I, like the, I like the spread in this, yeah. in this week. It was yeah. a lot of solid books. The top I would, three were all fantastic. I, I would have to agree with Manhattan Projects. That, that was my pick of the week. So. I gave a lot of fives this week. Good week of books. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, the first uh, user review is from Jerry Blankstare. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew that would work. Hey, uh, Jerry Blankstare. What? Oh. Hey. Uh, we're talking about Hypernaturals number one. Story of five out of five in the art of five out of five. And the pick of the week percentage is 1.7%. And he says, the whole review, there sure is a lot of talk about Marvel getting back to doing Cosmic. Well, while we all wait to ha- wait to happen here is one awesome. While we all wait for that to happen here is one awesome book that is fulfilling the void. Hypernaturals are a team of superpowered individuals who sign up for one or more tours of duties. The bright, shiny new team disappears in the first mission, and earlier members and the leftovers from the last selection process come together to find the team. There is world building aplenty, and between the free 
Comic Book Day number zero issue, and this one, Abnet and Landing have built a complex new world that is totally worth checking out. Uh, this one from Boom, uh, Abnet and Landing, of course, the, the architects behind the, the wonderful Marvel Cosmic books of uh, a number of years past. Um, they're taking on this and building a new world, and uh, I had meant to read this. Those guys, those guys know what they're doing. And Boom, slowly, quietly putting out some quality stuff. They got to. They got yeah. to replace the the Wade void. Yeah, exactly, or the Stan Lee void. Um, yeah. But uh, the yeah no the, between this and and Higher Earth and stuff, I'm doing some fun science fiction. I'm digging it. So yeah, very cool. Cool. Uh, so our next review comes from Matrix, who reviewed Spider Man num- Spider Man number two. Spider Man. Um, Spider Man gave the story a four out of five and the art a five out of five, and two point two percent of you made it all your pick of the week. Um, and Matrix says this comic delivers a pretty sweet second act that gets the usual comic meat and greed out of the way, but does it pretty slickly and and with service to both Spider Men's and their abilities. There's an atypical trip to Nick Fury's headquarters which isn't an obstacle for once and keeps the momentum rolling straight up to that final scene with Mysterio. I really enjoyed the gags of Peter calling Miles on a, a, an 11-year-old black version of himself and calling him Spider-Boy. It's great to have Miles uh, it's great to have Miles a chance to speak to someone as close to the man that inspired him. Um, I mean again Pacelli is drawn one of the be- most beautiful comic books there is. Um, this I liked more than the first issue cuz uh, mm-hmm. more did happen. Um, but this, I when I was thinking about this, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be a great trade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is gonna be a solid, great story. Um, but you know, but in, you know, then issues at least a little too lacking. But stuff did happen. They had the fight. They they found out each other. There was some, you know, that great Bendis dialogue, um, and agreed that the tri- the trip to Nick Fury wasn't the um, uh, the MacGuffin that it normally is. Like it's actually a part of it and part of the story. It makes sense, and I dig it. It was good. So, so is Mysterio. The crossover character? Yeah, Mys- it's, it's that- Mysterio from the Ultimate Universe figured out a way to 616. So. Or was it the other way around? No, no, it's the Ultimate Mysterio. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. The angry, like, failed showbiz guy. Right. Yeah. But, like... I liked it a lot. I, I do think it'll be better altogether, though. Yeah. We would also like to thank Audible. Audible is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, information, and educational programming. Content from Audible is downloaded and played back on personal computers, CDs, or iPad players. Audible offers over 100,000 hours of audio programs from 270 content partners that include leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper, newspaper publishers, podcasters, and business information providers. Listen whenever, you, whenever and wherever you want, just like the podcast you're listening to right now. Audible has over 1,000 science and technology and over 1,100 science and fiction fantasy books with more being added all the time. Audible has over 100,000 titles to choose from. Every genre, Audible has it covered. Get a free audio book download when you sign up for free trial today. Go to www.audiblepodcast.com slash iFanboy to get your free audio book right now. And uh, we have a recommendation for you. Yes. It is Alpha by Greg Rucka, Greg Rucka's latest uh, prose novel, which I finished reading a couple weeks ago. And it's fantastic if you like Rucka's you know, action-adventure style. It's a, it's a military you know, action-adventure thriller taking this was basically a terrorist attack on a Disneyland-type uh, theme park and uh, the one former uh, special forces guy in in the middle of it trying to save the day and it's what you expect from Greg Rucka it's fast paced it's action packed it's, it's very uh, feels like very authentic and uh, it's the first in a series of three hopeful three novels he's writing the second one right now cool does he yeah, read it does he read the audiobook I, I know he doesn't but that would be great no he doesn't um, <laughs> if he did I would I would re- listen to it again that would be I'm checking to see who read it um, you know I, after hearing you um, uh, and uh, Paul rave about the book I've been meaning to pick it up and I might just I might listen to it on um, on uh, Audible. 
I love audio audiobooks. Yeah. Audiblepodcast.com slash fanboy run. You can get your free trial and you can download Alpha. It's a good idea. I might do that. I have to not listen to audiobooks so that I can do other things. <laughs> you just, you I just will get just you just get lost oh, in it. Yeah. Any any excuse I have to listen to it, I pop headphones in my head. Um, yeah. so I've, I have to take breaks. Um so get to the end of that story. <laughs> do you put it in front of the fireplace and just sit there and listen like it's the old timey radio? No, I have to be doing something. Oh. I can't just sit there and listen. So like I have like to go for a walk. Fireside chats. Nah, I gotta do dishes. Something. I gotta be moving with my hands. So it is narrated by Rob Shapiro, uh, mm. not by Greg Rucka. Um, it's nine hours and seventeen minutes long. So you want nine hours of entertainment? Uh, you could uh, you could listen to Rob Shapiro reading Greg Rucka's Alpha. Rob Shapiro, who also narrates "End This Depression Now" uh, by Paul Krugman, "The Aqua Teen Progression" by Robert <laughs> Ludlum. <laughs> wow. the, 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 the Krugman book and the Alpha book are different. Yeah, yeah and the Aqua Teen one also. Or he, um, Rob Shapiro also um, na- narrates Click, The Magic of Instant Connections by Ron Braffman and Ori Braffman, the Braffman brothers. I, I, <laughs> oh, those I, guys. I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so go to AudiblePodcast.com. downloading that book. <laughs> Go to audiblepodcast.com slash fanboy today. Check it out. Dude, did, you, did you listen to Click? Oh, Shapiro banged it up, man. <laughs> Those Profit Brothers. Oh, I love them. All right. On to the email. Our first email comes from 80 from Indonesia. Indonesia. Is that our furthest email we've ever gotten? Uh, uh, it, we've got New Zealand. Is that further away than Indonesia? It's over there. Well, it depends on which direction <laughs> you go. It's over. It's, oh, it's, yeah. I went to public school. <laughs> I mean, they're both on the relative opposite side. Of, both of them. Hellacious plane flights. Yes, exactly. Yeah. At least from where we're coming from. Yeah. So, all right. Is, so, it, is it far enough away where I, I hear about the plane length and go, hmm, do I really want to go? Yeah. yeah really it's, I mean, it's, it's, you need to plan several days on either side of that. Yeah. yeah. It's going to mess you up. Yeah. Anyway, so AD writes and says, I have some questions about the creator owned comic series. It seems that there are many new series coming out from Image. Is, are many, do many comic book artists prefer Image than other publishers because of their creator owned concept? Why was Casanova moved from Image to Marvel's Icon? Does that make Casanova owned by Marvel? This question comes to mind since Paolo Rivera's departure from Daredevil to make a creator-owned comic, which is sad. Anyway, I hope the question wasn't too long, and sorry for my English, which was totally fine, Eddie. I appreciate if you guys took the time reading this email. So um, a little more clarification on what's going on with the creator-owned thing. And also, uh, when he he referred to Paolo Rivera, Paolo Rivera said he was – Done on, on Daredevil, no hard feelings, it's fine, but he wants to concentrate on doing creator-owned works after 10 years of working for Marvel exclusive. Well, and, and that's what it boils down to, is that while Paolo Rivera did a beautiful job on Daredevil, Marvel owns it. Mm-hmm. And they're paying him. And he, and he knows that. He said, yeah. he said in his blog post that, you know, I've been, I paid a page rate, it was, it was fine, it was great, I, I appreciate it, but at the end of the day, I have no stake in anything I've drawn for 10 years, so... Right. You know, it's hard to. How do you retire on that? You don't really. Right, and so, so. and so, the, like the whole creator-owned push and what's going on with Image Comics and and all that sort of stuff is the idea being that if creators create their own concepts and characters and retain ownership, then when if they spin the wheel of fortune and if they get a movie or a TV series or a video game or anything or like that, or the books just stay in print, or the books just stay in print, they can profit more from it because it's not work for hire. It's you know they they profit from the ongoing success of that property, um, and so. 
so and it's it's tough because it's a tough so we've talked to a lot of we've talked to a lot of creators about this topic and i think the the interesting thing is like when creators are up and coming they just they they want work they just want you know like if you're a new writer new artist you want to work for anybody who'll pay you to work and get the you know job done and that sort of thing and get established You'll exactly deserve, you know it's a platform for to get noticed and that, that was kind of what kirkman was talking about his little manifesto which is that and i don't I didn't mean to be dismissive in his little manifesto i mean in his manifesto i think i think it's amazing how forward thinking he was however many years later like it's it's coming to fruition a lot more yep than, than you we expect it's totally coming to fruition it just took a while for everyone to come around to it yeah. he got he got really lambasted for yes, he people did. yeah that came out well because, right. because anytime you talk against marvel and dc everybody freaks out but but he the point he made was you know go work for marvel and dc make a name for yourself but then go create your own stuff and i've talked to i've talked to several creators who are later in their career now and when they who they've gone create their own and when they talk about possibly going back to marvel and dc it's like well yeah i can sit down i can do a job for them He's like, but you know, if it if it involves creating a new character, why am I just going to give them something that I created, came up with? Yep. You know, and that, and that's really what it boils down to. So, um, uh, uh, basically, and then you know, image versus icon, uh, they're both fully creator owned. It's just uh, you know, like Matt Fraction got an exclusive at Marvel, so that you know they probably gave him better terms on it. They said, well, you know, move it over here. But everything that comes out from Icon is creator owned. It's basically a it's an imprint. a boutique imprint uh, created for their their uh, exclusive profile. guys. Basically, well, let's be honest. It was it was it was created by Marvel to allow their high profile guys to do creator owned work without going to places like Image. And vertigo yeah. and etc. You know, there was a way to keep their talent. That said, that but then you still see people like Jonathan Hickman and Ed Brubaker who went from Marvel to back to Image because you know because of whatever behind the scenes deals are going on and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, it's it's been argued that the you know the Marvel deal with Icon and the Image deal is different, and that Marvel still had their different gotchas and things because they're a corporate entity, whereas Image, their whole thing is like you own it, you just do it, we just publish it. So. Well, Kickass, Kickass changed the whole. Yeah, icon exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, because yeah, because yeah, basically, Kickass, they, you know, they, the book, Marvel, quote unquote, published the book under Icon. Then Miller made a movie, and Marvel didn't understand why they didn't make a cent from the movie. So, yeah, because of the deal that you made. Yeah, they got Alan Moore. <laughs> Mark Miller pulled a reversed Alan Moore on Marvel. Yeah, <laughs> That's, there are other, there are also there are other companies that offer creator owned uh, in various versions of it. You know, in some. You know, the company owns a small piece of it in exchange for printing it uh, or, you know, whatever costs they're, they're putting out there. Everybody has a little bit slightly different version of the deal. Um, I don't think Image is the only one who offers you 100% ownership, but they're the most prominent one. And they have the most sort of market share and clout. So you, that's, you, where you, that's where you want to go. I mean, yeah, if you, yeah, if I mean, you're a scene, you're that, gonna get. And that's the thing. That. I, I don't even. Feel, I don't even feel safe saying that that image is the only one that is the only one that gives 100 percent ownership or doesn't give 100 percent ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also and there's there's all stuff that we'll never know about because we don't get to read these contracts. We don't know, you know, and 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 it's none of our business really. It's it's the publisher and the creator's business. But there's all like like the the buzz that you hear at con floors and at the bar and stuff like that. It's like okay, great. You got you know you have a you have a creator on series and if you want some sort of jump start with Hollywood or something like that go to Dark Horse or go to Oni because they're that's what they're trying to do. Image isn't doing any Hollywood development stuff; they're just publishing books. And if you if something with Hollywood happens, that's up to you to deal with. 
you know, whereas Dark Horse and, and Oni are more involved in those kind of projects, and even Top Shelf to a certain degree these days too. So yeah, a bunch of them are. It's, yeah. it's there's there's, a, yeah. there's dozens of them. Yeah, so everybody's doing everybody does everything a little differently. Like IDW has a different deal than Image as well. You can still be creator owned, but there's a lot more licensing involved, a lot more you know things like that. So um, anyway, boom, yeah, boom. It's like I think the the Hypernaturals is creator owned, or, or at least um. Higher Earth is at least to a certain. Yeah, extent. but I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure. Boom is 100 percent creator own. That's the thing. No, no, I don't. I don't yeah. know either. And even yeah. you know, the, in the old days, huh, Vertigo uh, never was, never was. Oh, but but partially, and those those yeah. terms have changed a little bit, which I think is why you're not seeing as many properties be taken there as you are to Image. Yeah, exactly. So the field has changed, Addy. Yes. All right. So uh, if you have any other questions, you can shoot us an email at contact at ifanboy.com. Now for some voicemail. Our first one's uh, in a bit of a panic. <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> this is Dave Warner. I'm calling from my parents' house in uh, Boulder, Colorado, where there's a, a fire just over the ridge, um, and we've been put on pre-evacuation, which means that if, uh, if the fire comes sweeping over the ridge, that you should get your most valuable stuff and get out. And so... I've got something like 15 boxes of comic books in my parents' house, so I just went through and tried to grab the ones that I couldn't replace, uh, which is an interesting process if for no other reason than you realize how many worthless comic books you have. Um, but it is kind of strange in that, you know, which are the ones you can't, you can't replace. Um, so I got a short box, and it's ready to go. So I guess uh, my question is, if you had to do something like this um what kinds of things would you would you grab what couldn't you replace what would you if you could only grab you know let's say a, a small handful anyway hope uh hope all's well in your respective sides of the country and i'll let you know if, if my house burns down see you flee dave flee <laughs> don't call us run you're a fool fly <laughs> all we, right we, so- we, we- our, our, our graphically offices are in Boulder, so we know all about the fires that are currently uh, ravaging through Colorado. So if you are listening from Colorado, hopefully you are okay and your house is okay or anyone you know. Please be safe. Um, have, that being said, I would take none of them. You really wouldn't I, take any of your comics? I can't, I, can't, I can't imagine running from a fire trying to carry a, lo- a, a short box. Those things are still heavy. Oh, I've thought about this a lot. The only thing I would take would might be a really sturdy absolute edition, would I, which I could use as a weapon to fight off, you know, people who are fighting for, you know, the, the Mad Max style. Well, it's not the, it's not the, it's not the end of the world. It's not the end times. <laughs> was, well, I like to pretend that in any situation, it's going to devolve into a Mad Max style future, and at that point, I probably need some sort of weapon. <laughs> not a bad bit of planning. <laughs> um, I, I probably grab my the Rocketeer Artist Edition. And then I have a little cachet of old issues that mean a lot to me, like the uh, my X Men eighteen and the uh, Green Arrow sh- speedy shooting up and th- those kind of things. My my first instinct was the Maybe. first thing that popped into my head were <laughs> it wasn't. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> oh, it's a specific question. Uh, I I'd want to keep my original art. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. That's, mean, yep. that's the thing. I you know I've got. I've got pages from books that I love, and and not a ton of them. I I don't have a lot, but I have I have original art from books that I've written that I would want to keep, right. um, and then uh, some from some of my favorite books ever. 
uh, and those would be the things I'd grab. You know, after that, my my initial the next the next word in my head was absolute, but I didn't really want to carry that stuff. I think the, the absolutes are too big, and you honestly could replace them. I, could but replace, you're, I don't have anything yeah. that's not replaceable. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, I, I would grab. I've got all my original art in those two kind of portfolio styles. I'd grab those. I'd grab the Rocketeer one, and then and then my those issues that mean a lot to me. That's now the question is: Are you going? Are you escaping via car or your feet? Like, is this a situation where you have to run because the fire is bearing if down? Heat, then fuck that shit. I'm getting on my bike. <laughs> you know. Again, wife and child. No. Wait. I assume they're fine. I pictured this is, this is a solo situation. It's just me and oh. possessions. Yeah. Uh, you, you've already sent them away ahead of time? I see. I, th- that's to- Well, yeah, they would have left. Yeah. <laughs> Forget because, you. No, no, they would have been like, this is really dangerous. I'm like, yeah, crazy. It's fine. And then they would go, and then, like, three hours later, I'd be like, I think they may have been right. Yeah. <laughs> um. But you know, like the original pages. <sighs> the original pages is really good. That's mo- that's probably more likely. Yeah. Um, other other than that, like, like I honestly, I've come around a lot. There, I really feel like they're just books, and there's not like because of because of printing, everything is in print. You know, for the most part, and and digital, and I, you know, then I I can get everything again that I need to read. Um, maybe a guitar, but that's irrelevant to this. A guitar you could also use as a weapon. They all definitely. All right. So speaking of original art and artist editions, our next question's got a question about that. Hey, guys. It's Ben Lavati from Westlake, Ohio, also known as Neb on the website. Um, I'm sitting here holding my uh, Daredevil Born Again Artist Edition, and it is beautiful and gorgeous and wonderful. And it got me to thinking, uh, if you guys could choose any artist or any storyline from any publisher from any time period, what would you choose to put into an artist edition? Um, thanks a lot, guys. Love the show, and thanks again. <laughs> uh, before we get into our fantasy artist editions, how beautiful is that fucking Mazzuchelli Daredevil artist edition? I don't know, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> it's I and blame my kid is the reason I don't have one of those. It really might be the best artist edition yet. For and Connor, when you look at it, I don't want to ruin it for you, but when you look at it, there's a couple of things that this differs from other artist editions. That made, oh, the, oh, the inserts? Well, yeah. The, 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 okay, I'll go into the vellum, vellum overlays, um, yeah. the uh, additional bonus material, Manzicelli's sketches, the finished pages, the cover galleries. Like, it's, it's, like, it's the first artist edition with like trade extras. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. It's awesome. Anyway, um, fantasy, um, fantasy artist editions. I would probably say Alan Davis, uh, Captain Britain, that run. Mm. That would work. I would like an Alladay. Think of the artist editions that you, you you can't have modern works because none of the word balloons will be there. Not only yeah. that, but yeah. like a lot of stuff is added post digital yeah, exactly. now, and the, yeah. the pages are kind of cleaner. Well, that's what, the vel- that's what the inserts in the Daredevil show is that a yeah. lot of the shadow work and everything was all done uh, with with these overlays. So mm-hmm. there's a whole lot missing from the art. Yeah. So. Uh, well, no, well, no, no. I mean, it just they did the art differently. It's not missing. It's just rather like as well. A, it's, it's not on the page. It's well, no, like, it, was on, it was on the overlay. Well, yeah, because what happened? Like one of the overlays that struck at me was that he it was like a cover one, and he had the figures in front, and the idea was the words were to be behind the figures. And now you just you you do the do the you do the text in Photoshop, and you put in the the figures on on top of it, and boom, it works. Back then, he had to draw the words around the bodies, and then overlay. The rest of the you know like overlay the bodies on top of that like it's it's basically doing Photoshop layers but like with paper. It's fascinating to see. It's it's uh, it's amazing. So, um, but anyway, okay, your fantasy artist editions, Josh, go. Jack Kirby, the Galactus Saga, Fantastic Four. Nice, good one. 
That is a good one. Connor? It would be too big, but it would be really cool to see, like, um, From Hell. Although yeah. it's already black wow. and white. But uh, the sort of really scratchy style. That's already black and white, so I don't know if that counts yeah. as a color. I think once um, it's on the page. They're like, yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, like, I like the Alan Davis idea of go back, but like in the, in the, the DC side, he did the, his detective stuff in yeah. Batman. He oh. was really... The, the king back then. Of course, of course, I'd love, I'd like to see you know Frank Miller's Wolverine or like the um or Burn, Dark, or the Dark, Dark Phoenix, Dark Phoenix Saga, or Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, all those classic stuff would be good. Too. Uh, McFarlane on Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be really good. Fun. That'd be good yeah. yeah, that'd be kind of amazing. Yeah, I think that uh, Steve Dillon on Preacher would be really boring. <laughs> it's all, Sharpie? It's, it's all it's just regular Sharpie. Dick Penn and Sharpie. Yeah. So, all right. So, if you've got any questions, you can call us at one eight eight fanboys. It's one eight eight three two six two six nine seven. Let's wrap this sucker up. If you need more to listen to on your commute or your walk to work or you're going to the gym or while you're working or whatever, um, we do more podcasts. We got tons of podcasts. Um, for some reason, we've fallen into Mike Norton week at iFanboy. Uh, just uh, earlier this, uh, earlier last week, actually, we did a Talksplode with uh, Mike Norton and Jamie S. Ray talking about the upcoming series It Girl from Image Comics. You can go back and get that on this feed or go to iFanboy.com to go listen to that. It was a great conversation to hear about um, uh, the new series from them um, starring a strong female lead character, which is rare these days. You can't find it at Marvel. Uh, and then additionally, um, uh, coming up on iFanboy, don't miss, uh, Chris Neesman talks to Mike Norton again about, uh, Battle Pug. So, uh, that should be, uh, oh. yeah, so that should be interesting to hear about. Are that. we getting, a, are we getting a cut of that book? Or? No, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I, I believe, I believe we, we, we gaffed in the contract negotiation. So we screwed uh, up. Yeah. Again. But so yeah, go to, uh, go to iFanboy.com on Mondays to get iFanboy Don't Miss, where we talk to creators about books that are coming out and go to iTunes to subscribe to iFanboy Don't Miss, please. Uh, cool. Uh, there's also the uh, the Make Comics podcast uh, on Wednesdays. Uh, I, there's one coming up this next week, and there may be a week or two off because of San Diego. Um, I'll just I'll be honest with you. But after that, I'll be chock full of good ideas, and we'll, we'll get it back on track. Um, and in in that, I speak with Andy Schmidt, uh, head of Comics Experience, which is a, a school of sorts for people who want to make comics, and a former Marvel editor and IDW editor and we talk about we'll, we'll pick a little something about making comics in some aspect and, and try to get into it just a little bit um, and uh, hopefully it's very helpful for you and hearing very good feedback on it um, for all the billions of you who want to make comics if you're not too busy escaping a fire, you can go to fanboy.com you can read Josh's Pick of the Week review you can for right now read my Book of the Month review who is up next? I am. I actually had a couple of different options. I had, I had a total panic attack just then, <laughs> and then also a few days ago. Yeah. So you will be able to read. <gasps> oh, okay, it's not me. Oh, God, thanks. Hopefully, before San Diego happens, and we and then at that point, you might as well just write it off if it doesn't happen by San Diego. Oh no, no, I've got. It'll be it'll be for next week. I got a couple options. So. All right, you can read that next week. You can also read all the great writing that happens every day from all of our great writers. You can go to ifanboy.com slash about to see the staff and the social network links. You can be our friend online. And you can follow all the ifanboy action at twitter.com slash ifanboy and facebook.com slash ifanboy. And you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697 with any questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics, what have you. Wonderful batch of voicemails this week, I must say. Uh, these are not the only ones we got. We got a ton of good ones. We had to uh, we had to pick and choose a little, but thank you for the great calls. Keep them coming. Yep. 
And if you like what we do, go to iTunes, as I mentioned earlier, and write a review of this podcast, of the Don't Miss podcast, or the Make Comics podcast. Uh, actually, don't write a review of this podcast. we got enough. Go to the other ones. Go to Don't Miss. Go to Make Comics. Uh, Josh has been doing such a good job of Make Comics that I'm going to go write a review uh, in praise of it. So there you go. So join me. Why won't, won't you? Um, or if, if you don't use iTunes and you still want to help out, help spread the word. Tell your friends. Um, go to the comic book shop. Tell, every, tell everybody. Pray, preach from the mountains about uh, how great iFanboy is. We uh, love so many of you. Uh, helps, help us spread the word, and we appreciate it. We thank you so much for it. So, cool. excellent. Uh, Countdown to San Diego has begun. We're less than two weeks away. So next week, be sure to tune in, and we'll have all of our details about San Diego. So uh, that's going to happen. That's happening. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so until then, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. And I'm Josh. Thank you very much for listening, and thank you, too, for joining me on this program. What? What?